Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We've got uh, our ninth uh, spiritual mark tonight, and um, I, uh, I'm doing another mark. Last time that we were doing a, a Wednesday night service, we did the eighth mark, and the reason why I'm doing that is because I feel like this one is super important, but much like the other marks, you can reverse this one and uh, give you the eighth impedance. So we could do the eighth impedance. Uh, and the ninth mark at the same time tonight. But I feel like this is uh, such an important mark um, that we need to underscore its prominence in uh, the spiritual marks, if you will, of spiritual maturity. And so um, let's pray and we'll jump right in. Father, thank you so much again for this time. Thank you again for allowing us to worship you, Lord, the songs tonight. Uh, Just a a great reminder and a great opportunity for us to lift our thanks and praise to you, uh, realizing that there's nothing other than the blood uh, that can take care of our sin debt, Lord. When nothing can uh, make us right in, in, in your presence and with you uh, other than the shed blood of Jesus. And, and so we're so thankful for that. So thankful, again, as it's already been said, that you're such a good father. And, um, Lord, that uh, we have this opportunity to praise you. And just these songs, uh, again, just are a blessing and a reminder. Lord, we pray tonight now as we look to your word that you'll speak to us. God, that your spirit will have full reign. Um, Lord, we want you to be exalted in this place. We want you to be prominent, the the prominent one. We want you to be uh, present. And um, Lord, just speak to us. Um, We need you tonight. And uh, this is, uh, again, your word and this message is uh, just important for us to remember and to uh, to be stirred up with. Lord, I pray that you would just use me as a vessel, that you'd be glorified alone. In Jesus' name we ask all this. Amen. So Mark number 9, if you have your notes, or you're following along there with a PDF, is self-control. Self-control. We, uh, we live in a society that um, seems to exalt and celebrate the absence of self-control, uh, right? I mean, uh, it, it's been that way for a long time, uh, but we look at kind of what is exalted in our society, and it is. It's a bigger, better, badder, uh, all, all that, that mindset of just go out there and live your life and be your own person and do all what you want to do. Um, but again, we, we seem to, to be in this culture that celebrates the lack of self-control. Uh, but with that being said, we know that there's areas in our culture, areas that society, the world, if you will, uh, doesn't want uh, to be told that you shouldn't have self-control in. Uh, they, they say, you know what, you, you should have self-control in these areas, but it's not that important to have self-control in these other areas. And those other areas typically are the areas that the Bible directs us to have self-control in. <laughs> and so when we look at the world, the world says you need to have self-control in these areas alone, but not in the areas that uh, the, the, the Bible says. And so um, some of the words that we find in Scripture that have to do with self-control you're not necessarily going to search through your Bible and the King James and find the words self-control, but you'll see words like temperance or temperate. You'll see words like sober. Um, there's other, other words throughout uh, that refer to self-control or their lack of self-control. Another word for the lack of self-control is incontinence uh, or incontency, um, and we'll see that in just a, in a little bit. But 
Look in the, the book of Proverbs, if you will, if you have your Bibles, you can look in chapter 16, verse 32, and just a couple of truths about self-control before we get to uh, some of these points. But the first thing it says is, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And here's, listen to what it says here. He that, he that ruleth his spirit, than he that taketh a city. Whoever is able to be slow to anger is better than the mighty, the strong, powerful, and then he that can control his own spirit is greater than he that taketh the city. Someone who's able to exercise this type of self-control, to, to be able to control themselves, displays what the Bible says is a conquering kind of strength, a, an overcomer kind of strength. And so if you're looking at what, what is something that's powerful, spiritually speaking, that is going to give me victory? Well, again, the Bible very clearly says that self-control is one of those disciplines, one of those attributes, one of those uh, character traits, if you will, one of the, the fruits, uh, the fruit, part of the fruit of the Spirit we'll see in a second, that is going to make us strong. So I want to be a strong Christian. Well, one of the things to exercise to be a strong Christian is self-control. Proverbs 25, verse 28, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. We know that without walls, the city is vulnerable to uh, enemies attack. And so when you look at what the Bible says, if you don't control your own spirit, you're like a city that's broken down and doesn't have any walls. So basically without self-control, you've now opened yourself up for the enemy to be able to do uh, things in your life that uh, maybe he wouldn't be with self-control in place. An undisciplined person Somebody who lacks this self-control the Bible's talking about is vulnerable not only to the enemy's attacks, but to walking into trouble themselves. And so uh, if you find that you are struggling in certain areas, if you find that you keep going back to the same uh, places uh, of struggle, uh, then it, it might be, again, uh, because of this lack of self-control. It's not going to say, well, this, if this wasn't in place, it may be in place to strengthen you, but maybe not exercising self-control and we'll talk about that at the very end of this message. But um, possessing and exercising self-control is vital to spiritual growth. Uh, you're not going to grow the way that God wants you to grow. You're definitely not going to grow, which is the way that, that we, we see Christ-likeness. That's the, the whole goal of spiritual growth is growing like Christ. We're not going to be like Christ without exercising spiritual growth. Again, it's essential to spiritual growth. If you don't, if you feel like, I just... I don't feel like I have any self-control in this area. Well, then you're limited. Again, we talked about it could be an impedance. You're limited to growth, the spiritual growth that God wants you to be uh, until, uh, until self-control is exercised in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is uh, a great example of, of what self-control is supposed to look like. Verse 24, I think I sent 25, but if you can, can you add 24? No? Maybe? If you have your Bibles, you can look at 24. It says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives a prize, so run that you may obtain it. That's verse 24. Now, 25 says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. So again, Paul's using this illustration of athletics, and he says, if, uh, if we look at the way that the sports world is, we know that everybody that gets into a race, they run so that they can win. They, they run to obtain a prize. Every athlete also that's competing for these prizes exercises self-control in all things. And now Paul says this, those athletes that do it in, this, in, in, in the uh, athletic world, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. 
So verse 26, he says, so I don't run aimlessly. I'm not just running, just say, you know, I'm running for the Lord. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm trying to be who God wants me to be. That's not how it works. So I'm not running aimlessly. And he says, I'm not boxing as one beat at the air, just, just swinging at the air, shadow boxing. He says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so Paul's saying, listen, I, I'm not just going out and doing whatever I want to do. I, I'm making sure to keep my body under control. I'm making sure and keeping my person, the, the things that I do, the things that I say, the, the attitudes I have, the, all these things, I keep them in check because when I go out and I, and, I, and I preach the gospel and preach the truth, I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want people to dismiss the message because they know I'm not living that same exact way that I'm preaching. I was listening to the news this morning, and um, they were talking about Dirk Nowitzki, and uh, he's retired. Some of you know who he is. Most of you know who he is, probably. Uh, but a Dallas Mavericks player played for over two decades with the Dallas Mavericks, and um, they were, what they were interviewing or what they were talking to him about is the fact that he no longer has to have the discipline in his diet that he did for over two decades. And he was like, they were like, so if we drove through a, a Whataburger, we might see Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki there. He's like, yeah, probably just about every other junk food place. And they were like, so what are you doing now? He goes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm eating junk food and I'm eating ice cream and, and all those things. And, and again, uh, it just pointed to the realities that these professional athletes are supposed to uh, be on strict diets. And the reason why they're on these very strict diets is so that their bodies can be in the very best shape to perform at the very best or the highest level. And so again, athletes usually have these, these goals in their lives, the, these uh, benchmarks, if you will, on what they're striving for as far as their, or their performance goes. So when they, when they weigh in, uh, their, their, um, their weightlifting ability, their speed, they have marks that they're looking at, um, body comp mass composition, all that kind of stuff. They're, they're, they're looking at certain things that show them this is where I'm supposed to be. Our race, our spiritual race, is, is an endurance race. It's not a sprint, it's an endurance race. We're to be taking healthy steps. We're to be seeking healthy growth in our lives every day, every week, every month, every year. Just as an athlete would look and say, okay, uh, last, last month, or this is my goal for this week, or this is, uh, this is where I was last year, and they have those benchmarks, they have those goals, they have those things that they look at. You and I should be looking at our lives spiritually. And as I've challenged you throughout this study, you should be able to evaluate your life, whether you are closer to Christ now than you were last month, than you were last year. Again, I think it's a, a, a real evaluation that you can do because the goal is to grow. That's the, that's the goal in our spiritual lives, is to grow, to be like Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, again, the kind of the context of this whole study, rather speaking the truth and love, verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. That's the goal. The goal is to grow. So we say, uh, what is the, the, the aim of my spiritual walk, the spiritual my journey, my spiritual journey it is Christ-likeness. Our, our days should be marked by growth every day, every week, every month. And so some of the questions that we've asked, and that question I want to ask again tonight is this, 
what are you doing to grow? What are you doing to grow closer to Christ than you did last month or versus what you did last month or last year? And so I feel like I've been on a steady pace of growth, and so I think I just need to continue to do what I'm doing and maybe increase um, the passion or the fervor or the fire or the time or whatever. You know, if you are dieting or you're trying to exercise and get in shape, again, there are those, those benchmarks that we look at. Sometimes people go to the scales only and they, they look exactly what the scale. Some people look at pants sizes or dress sizes or shirt sizes. Some people uh, go by the, the, uh, the body mass index, you know, all, all those different things that they go by to, to find out if what they're doing is what? Is working. So we do this in the physical realm. We do this with our physical bodies. And so most importantly, I think that we should do that with our spiritual bodies, with our spiritual person. Where am I? What, what does my spiritual state look like? What does my spiritual condition look like? Am I, am I strong? Am I healthy? Am I growing? Is there results coming from this? You know, they, they talk about this thing called plateauing when you're talking about working out or, or dieting. It's that when you, maybe when you first start out on a diet, you start losing pounds and, and, and things are working. And all of a sudden you hit a wall, you hit a plateau, and now you no longer, you're doing everything you were doing before and nothing is happening. No, no change. What they, they tell you is you, you, you have to do something else. Your, your body maybe has come to a place of um, being comfortable or being used to, being conditioned to what it is. The same thing as far as working out goes. And so when we look at our spiritual lives, we've got to look at that. Maybe you just show up for church services. Maybe you just open your devotion every morning and just go through the motions. Maybe you are, maybe just say those prayers so that you can say that I had my devotion time. Maybe you uh, just hand out an invite card so that you can say that I, I've tried to do my, my, my duty to give the gospel out. So maybe you find yourself in a place where you're kind of plateaued spiritually. You're not growing. You're not thriving. You don't feel like that there, there's these results coming. And so, uh, again, maybe there needs to be a change. Maybe there needs to be an evaluation. And that's mostly what will happen uh, again, you talk about the physical side of things. You've got to do an evaluation. What, am I, what, am, what do I need to start doing? What, what do I need to change? What, what, what needs to be altered? What needs to be adjusted? What needs to be increased? Again, the question has to be, am I growing? So are you growing? Are we growing? We've talked about faithfulness. Again, let me go back to the physical side. We look at the scales, we look at the pant sizes, the dress sizes, the shirt sizes, we look at the, the BMI, we look at different things as far as being able to tell whether we are seeing results to whether we can tell whether what we're doing is working. And in this study, spiritually speaking, we've talked about different things that are kind of evaluators. How we can tell, am I growing spiritually? Is, is what I'm doing working? Does something need to change? Do I need to adjust something? We've talked about things like faithfulness. We've talked about things like commitment. We've talked about things like steadfastness and endurance. We've also talked about things like love and even up to the last message last week about generosity. And so when we do an evaluation of my growing, we should look and say, all of these things are elements, all these things are traits, all these things are, are, are virtues 
And they also provide benchmarks in our lives spiritually for growth. In other words, you can ask yourself questions like this. Am I more faithful now than I was this time last year? And so I, I don't have a problem with faithfulness. I'm at church every time the doors are open. I'm not necessarily talking about just church attendance. Are you faithful to God, the things of God? Are you faithful in all the areas that are important to be faithful? Are you more committed now than you were this time last year? And again, it doesn't necessarily have to do with church services, but maybe it does have to. Maybe, maybe it has to do with not necessarily the physical attending of church services like we are tonight, a gathering, but maybe it has to do with an engaging, not just an attending, but an engaging in the gathering of the people of God. Are you more committed? Are you more faithful? Are you more, also those other things we talked about, are you more loving? Do you feel like that you express love to others, even to those who don't love you, as we saw in Matthew chapter 5 when we looked at love? Do you, do, you, do you love those who don't love you? Do you give? Last week we talked about generosity. Do you give to those who you know can't pay you back? Are you becoming more and more of a generous person? These are the benchmarks, again, we can look at and evaluate. Am I growing spiritually? I think that if we are to see healthy spiritual growth, we should be able to say every day, every week, every month, and especially every year, that yes, I think I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm expressing more love. I'm more generous this year than I was last year. Uh, again, I think those are the, some of the evaluations that we can do. And we look back to Scripture in, in Galatians chapter 5, we see the fruit of the Spirit. And so when it says the fruit of the Spirit, these, these virtues, these these pieces of fruit, if you will, are to be pre they are present in every single believer. But here's the truth in these things. They should become more and more evident as we grow closer to Christ-likeness. So when we look at Galatians chapter 5, many of you know there's a song that's associated with the fruit of the Spirit. Many of you know what these are, but it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Among these other things, part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, is temperance. And so if you are in, in, your, in your Christian life and you say, I don't have self-control or I don't have self-control at all in this area, and it's a sinful area, if it's a fleshly, again, carnal area, then you really need to do an evaluation of your life because self-control is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a virtue. Not only is it a fruit of the Spirit, but it's, it's a virtue that's to grow it's, to be, it's to, uh, to be added to our person in 2 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence, giving all your effort, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance. There it is, self-control. And to self-control, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 says, let your moderation or your gentleness, your mildness, which points to controlling your emotions, controlling your words, your attitudes. Let that be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. So I, I believe that the, the scriptures tell us through, through all of these and, and others that self-control is an obvious mark in the spiritually maturing person. Self-control is an obvious mark in the spiritually maturing person. It was clear in our Lord's life when he walked this earth. The prophecy from Isaiah pointed to this reality. In Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. 
Like a lamb that's led to the slaughter and like sheep before a shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter talking back about what happened, he says, for, this, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, here it is, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to the one or to him who judges justly. So again, it's the example that we have in our Lord. When he had every bit of right to, to lash out, to lose control, uh, he, he exhibits self-control. For every believer who is growing spiritually, if you are here and you're growing spiritually, then the self-control that maybe you struggle with in certain areas of your life before is now stronger than it was before. So for example, the areas that we uh, need self-control. Again, we could, we could talk about self-control is exhibited in our, our actions, our attitude, and our speech. All right, those are kind of the things that we do. But number one tonight is this, anger. So anger can be expressed through your attitude, your actions, and your speech. And so um, that's why I, I went this direction versus the three ways that these things can be manifested. So areas that need self-control is the first one, anger. Now, I want to say this because I think that this is a, there, there can be a fine line here. Um, I think frustration could be coupled with this, irritation. Um, those, those words can be, I think, grouped in with anger at certain levels when acted upon. Because I think that you can be frustrated. I think that something can irritate you. I think that you can be angry and sin not, as the Bible says. But this is talking about that, that anger that, that, is, that leads to sin. This is, this is, I'm talking about the frustration that leads to acting in frustration, the irritability that, that acts and affects the witness of Christ and, and also the connection with other people. So anger, frustration, ir, uh, irritability, all those things at certain levels when act, acted upon um, can be dangerous if there's no, again, got to have self-control in this area. Proverbs 14, verse 17, he that is soon angry or gets to anger quickly dealeth foolishly. So you make, you make bad decisions when, you, when you, you rush to irritability, when you rush to uh, frustration, when you rush to anger, you make foolish decisions. And so again, if you have self-control and you're able to, to hold back that anger, you hold back that frustration, hold back that irritability, then you, you might not act on it. You might not speak in that irritation. You might, not, you might not act with that frustration. Self-control is needed so that you don't. A man of wicked devices is hated. James chapter 1 verse 19, very familiar verse. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. So be quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to wrath. And verse 20 says the reason why is because the wrath of man doesn't do God's righteous work. And so... We have to understand that anger is a place that is, can be a struggle and is dangerous. And so to have self-control in this area of our, our feelings of anger, feeling of frustration, feeling of irritability is important. And so I put this in your notes, to have no consistency in controlling the rise of your emotions to the point of anger and then acting on it is to reveal a lack of self-control and therefore a lack of spiritual maturity. Again, uh, self-control is a mark of spiritual maturity. 
The more that we grow like Christ, the more self-control we have. And so if we aren't consistent in controlling our emotions, our emotional rises, the I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm irritated, if, if, if we don't get better at or uh, uh, stronger at keeping those things in check, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, if we don't keep those things in check, then what that shows is that we have a lack of self-control in this area. Therefore, it's showing that we're not growing stronger, more like Christ, who was able to control his anger, who was able to control his frustration. Now, we know that he, he, he had righteous indignation, but it was in a different way. He was cleansing the temple when he chased out the money changers. That wasn't, that wasn't the same thing. When he was being spit on, when he was being slapped in the face, when he was having his beard pulled out, when he was being mocked, and when he was doing those things and he didn't open his mouth, he didn't speak about, he didn't threaten them, he didn't do any of those things, that was the self-control that all of us need. I, I don't know about you, but man, you, you, you pull out any type of facial hair, it hurts. Whether it's in crevices or not, right? It hurts. And, and, and I, don't, I don't really have very much to, to pull on here, but some of you do. I can imagine that would hurt to have it ripped out in chunks and to not go, <laughs> you know, and, and, and want to lash back out and act in that is a great deal of, of self-control. So again, anger, I mean, self-control is needed in this area where we deal with our, our anger, frustration, and irritability or irritation. Number two, we need self-control with our tongue with our tongue, with our words, with our speech, whatever you want to say. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. I love this verse. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it until afterwards. A wise, a fool just vomits all what he's thinking. And, and what's in his mind is what is in heart just, just rails no matter what. I mean, uh, again, whether it's anger, whether it's um, frustration, or whether it's some other emotion, a fool just spills it all and reveals his foolishness, but a wise person is able to, to keep it until the appropriate time. That's self-control, to be able to, 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 to restrain, to withhold words, even to, to, to be able to discern, this is not beneficial, this is, this is not helpful, this is not edifying, as the Bible says that all my speech is supposed to be seasoned with grace. It's supposed to get, minister grace to the uh, seasoned with salt. It's supposed to minister grace to the hearers. And so uh, we should have self-control with our words. We should have self-control with our speech. And, and I want to say that I think that you, they can be similar, words and speech. But I, I think there's a little bit of difference, and I'll tell you the reason why in just a second. But to have uh, no restraint in what you say there in your notes and how you say it, is to reveal a lack of self-control and therefore a lack of spiritual maturity. So that's why I said I think maybe words and speech, because you can say the same thing, but it's how you say it sometimes. That's also self-control, right? I can, I can say something that is truth, but the way that I say it can reveal a lack of self-control. Well, this is needed to be said. I need to tell them this. They need to know this. But okay, but how are you saying it? Because you say, well, I don't think it's a lack of self-control if I tell them what they need to hear. But maybe the way that you say it is the lack of self-control. 
or the, the, the revealing of the lack of self-control. And so again, when we have no restraint in not only what we say, but how we say it, it shows that maybe we're lacking self-control in this area of our tongue, um, and therefore we're, we, we've got some ways to go. Number three, lust, covetousness, and greed. Lust, covetousness, and greed. I lumped all these in together because they all have to do with a desire for something uh, that you don't have or you shouldn't have. Uh, because, and in, in, in when I say this, there is a, there is a sinful covet to covet, to, to lust, to desire, and there is a right kind. Uh, the, there's throughout Scripture times when uh, we're, t- we're told, I'm talking about like Greek and Hebrew words, because there's times that we're told to desire the, the, the good things. We're told to, uh, to long after, to covet, to, some of these same words are, in, uh, are exchangeable. Uh, but these are the sinful the fleshly uh, connotations that we're talking about. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 7, I'm going to read a few verses here. Uh, it says now, we should have the young people over here. If you've got kids that are young people, you can read this to them later. But um, self-control in these areas, all right? Now concerning the matters about which you wrote. So Paul is responding to the church of Corinth. They had asked him about some things. Now he's responding to them about certain areas that they asked him about. Here's, here's his response. It's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now, that, that's pretty detailed. That's pretty expansive because if you look in your King James Version, it says this, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. So if you read that, you think, I shake hands, I give hug. No, no, no. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about in an in, in a sexual way. So it's good for a man not to have this type of relationship with a woman. But here it is. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, because it's a real thing, because that's what the flesh does, is want to pull us to these things, here's the answer. Each man should have his own wife and each woman have her own husband. That's the solution. God's solution is that a man and woman be married so that you don't fall into that, that pull to sin. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Why is this the case? Because the Bible says that, that when the man, what God has joined together, that they become one flesh, two becoming one. And so that's where, that's where the, 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 the blessing is, that's where the strength is. Then it says this in verse 5. I always use these in our marriage seminars. Do not deprive one another. And that's what it means what it means. Except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again. And here's the reason why. So that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So that, that is God's formula inside of marriage to help solve God's answer, uh, to, to help solve mankind's natural, the, the, the old man's, the natural man's gravitation to giving into sexual sin. So Paul says this, but as a concession, he says, I'm not going to say it, this is not a command, I, I, but I'm going to say this, I wish that all were as, my, uh, as uh, myself am, which Paul didn't, he wasn't married, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, the other to another. So he gives a charge to the unmarried and to the widows. I say that it's good for them to remain single as I am. 
So Paul says, look, here, here's the deal. It, it's good. Because in other places, Paul would say, you, can, you, can, you don't have to worry about the things of this world. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For, this, for it is very better, <laughs> Barry, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because he has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So again, self-control is important to have in these areas where our desires for something that we shouldn't have or something we don't have uh, want to pull us away and pull us to those things. So to have self-control, whether it's in the areas of lust for something that you don't have, covetousness, something you don't have, or uh, greed, wanting more than what you have, not being content. So to have an undisciplined and uncontrolled desire for what is excess and forbidden and or forbidden is to reveal a lack of self-control and therefore a lack of spiritual maturity. Which kind of leads to the next thing, is number four, jealousy and envy. Jealousy and envy. We need self-control in the areas uh, that we want to feel uh, jealous and, and envious. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, read several verses here. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of un- imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all is glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Chapter 2 says, so put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy. Look at the next word. And envy and slander or gossip. Talking bad about people. Like, like newborn infants desire or long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So again, the flesh, the old man, the carnal nature of, uh, that, that exists in uh, all of us that we have supposed to have, we're supposed to have crucified and, and put to death and keep, keep at that place um, has a tendency to, be in, to envy and has a tendency to be jealous. We've seen this in Scripture, uh, instances of jealousy and envy all the way back to Cain. It's been in, our, it's been in the, the, the bloodstream of mankind all the way back then. We don't have to get in, I don't have to get into meddling, but uh, there, there are all kinds of different reasons why people will be envious of somebody else or envious of other people. People will be jealous There's several different reasons why. The truth is, it's part of the flesh. It's part of the depraved nature of man. And so, if we are born again, and we are a new man in Christ, then we are to be growing up into Christ, which is the head, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 4. So, as we grow in Christ-likeness, the less we are envious and jealous of others. That's just the reality. Because the closer that you get to Christ, the, the, the more often that you can do, uh, as the Bible says, rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. You can, you can be happy even in your sorrow for somebody else. 
You can rejoice when somebody else does well, when God blesses somebody else, even when you're struggling. You can, you can say, you know what, I'm content with, with what God has blessed me with. I'm content with this lot. Even if somebody else, man, I, I, I just, why do they know? The closer you get to Christ, the more it, it, you don't ask those questions is like, why, why are they getting to do this? And why do I, do? The, the less you do that, the closer you grow to, to Christ, the more you say, praise God for them. Man, that's awesome. That's amazing. I'm so happy, so thankful for that. These areas, there's four areas that we looked at. There's others that we could talk about, but these are areas in our life that should become marked more and more and more by self-control. The closer we grow to Christ, the more we should be able to control our anger. The closer that we grow to, to Christ, the more we should be able to control our tongue. The more we become like Christ, the more we should be able to control our desire for things we don't need, shouldn't have, aren't ours. And the more we grow to be like Christ, the more we should be able to control that tendency to envy or to be jealous of others. The question tonight is, are they? Are you? Are you, do you feel like that you're, you're able to control these areas and, and it's becoming stronger? Are you able to control these things? Or, or maybe tonight you're struggling with self-control. Maybe you're saying, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like that I get angry really easy. I, oh, I, maybe you're saying, I, mean, I, I don't know, I feel like that. When, when I get irritated, I just speak. It just comes out. I can't help it. Or maybe you say, man, I, I walk around and, you know, we're struggling in this area of our life and in our marriage, or we're struggling in this area of our life and, and finances, or we're struggling in this area, and it seems like everywhere I look, I just, I can't get past, like, feeling this feeling of jealousy or envy. Like, everybody else has it better than I do. And I, and I just struggle with that all the time. Like, if you're not... If you're struggling with that, or again, the area of, of something that you, desiring something is not yours, put a couple of steps on here that I, I think are just basic things. If you say, I'm struggling in one of these areas, or maybe you're struggling in all these areas. Step one, you must admit to God that you're struggling with self-control and ask for his help. You have to have a healthy daily relationship with the Lord so that the Spirit of God isn't grieved or isn't quenched in your life. So that's maybe what's going on. If, you, if you're struggling with an, with an area in, in, in that we talked about of having self-control in this area and you're not having a healthy daily walk with the Lord or relationship with God, then the chances are that what's happening on a daily basis is the Spirit of God is being quenched. The, 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 the Bible word is quenched, which means extinguished, like put out like a fire extinguisher. The Spirit of God wants to help you, wants to, to, to convict you and strengthen you and, and instruct you and do all the things that the Spirit is, does in our life, lead us. But because we're not having that healthy daily walk with the Lord, we're, we're keeping Him and His power extinguished in our life, or maybe we're grieving Him. So, to have his help, 
is, is, is being taken away, if you will, by our own decisions or by our own omission of what's necessary. So step two, in conjunction with that, you have to have a biblical knowledge and determine to act in faith, determine to live by faith. That means you have to be in God's Word. You have to have God's Word in you. You have to be in God's Word. You have to abide there so that you can have the foundation to make the right choices. So again, you got to first admit, I, I struggle with this area. I struggle with having self-control in this area. God, I, I'm sorry. I, I need your help. I'm struggling here. But it's not just saying I struggle in this area, but it's also making sure that you're abiding in his presence, making sure that you're abiding in the word, making sure that the word is abiding in you, making sure that there's a, a healthy relationship of prayer with the Lord. Because listen, if you're struggling with self-control, you can usually point back to that. Because the spirit's never slack in what he offers to us. The, the spirit of God never fails in what he's able to do in our life. Most of the time it's something that we've done and we're not doing that has limited his work in our life. So you have to abide, and that leads to the last step. You, may, you must make conscious decisions. Sometimes in the moment, in the moment, to yield to the Spirit and not give in to the flesh. Not give in what the flesh really wants to say, what the flesh really wants to do, what the flesh really wants to feel in that moment. Sometimes in that moment, you've got to make that decision, and that is self-control. And so you've got to apply it. You gotta, you gotta be willing to admit I struggle in this area of self-control. You gotta, you gotta abide in the Word of God. Let the Word of God abide, and you've gotta abide in His presence. You gotta draw from that will. That's gotta be the source of your strength. Again, abide, and then you gotta literally make conscious decisions and apply that knowledge, apply that help, apply that that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, like I said, in the moment. There's frustration, there's anger, there's desire, there's pull, there's temptation. There's all those things, and then you've got a choice, and I've got a choice in that moment where they're going to exercise self-control, let the Holy Spirit lead us, strengthen us in that moment or not. And so again, these, these areas, again, among many, but I just felt the impression of the Lord to, uh, to, to bring these out. And, and again, I don't know if anybody or everybody in here struggles with one or all of these. But I encourage you, if that's where you're at, I'm struggling, to start tonight. Be willing to tell the Lord, I struggle with keeping my mouth shut. I struggle with not just keeping my mouth shut, but I struggle with how I say things. Sometimes I say things with an irritated tone. Sometimes I say things in a condescending way. Sometimes, I, again, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, it's your anger and your frustration. And, and that, that frustration, that irritability is written all over your, your facade. Somebody looks at you and says, man, you look angry. You look irritated. You look frustrated. You look mad. Again, self-control and, and controlling those emotions and not letting them come out is, is so vital. So if that's some of the things, and then again, the other areas maybe just tonight you're saying god i'm sorry help me I, I i confess to you this is a struggle and i need your help and then you got to take some next steps get in the word of god get in prayer be consistent and faithful of that let that be the foundation the well that you draw from and then 
you literally, it boils down to making some serious choices day by day, moment by moment, sometimes instant by instant, situation by situation. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm not going to do. And then you got that, I don't know if it's the, the angel and the, the, the devil, you know, I'm not saying that, but uh, it, it's, it's the pull of the flesh or the, the, the unction of the spirit. The flesh oftentimes says, yeah, but you won't get to experience this. And you really like that. The flesh says, yeah, but you, they won't know how wrong they are if you don't say something right now. And your flesh is like, yes, that's right. I want to feel that feeling of being right and making them feel wrong. Again, it, it, sometimes it's that. And then the spirit, so, I've said this before, it's, it's, it's always easier to do the fleshly thing. It's usually harder to do the spiritual thing. It's also usually seems to be more fun to do the fleshly thing. And it seems a lot more boring to do the spiritual thing. Because we live in earthen vessels. We live in fleshly bodies. And to do spiritual things, it, it's like saying, you, you want me to eat kale instead of that ice cream? With no dressing, just kale by itself. Instead of my favorite ice cream. That's, that's, that's similar to what the, the difference is between pleasing the flesh, ice cream, doing what's spiritual, kale. And most of the time, if we were, if we were sitting at a table and those were our options, most of us, spiritually speaking, using that illustration, spiritually speaking, we're like, give me the ice cream every time. You know, don't even bring the kale. <laughs> you're wasting a plate, you're wasting time, you're wasting effort. You know, don't even bring the kale. Just bring the ice cream and I'll, I'll satisfy my flesh right now. But again, again, spiritually speaking, we have to make that choice. It may not be fun, it may not be enjoyable in the moment. Hey, by the way, this is it's amazing how the world works. Uh, Sunday morning, the sermon that's going to be preached. It has a little bit, I guess, a connection um, with that right there, uh, what I just said, uh, which is interesting uh, because it's the point from last week. So, um, but anyways, let's, let's, uh, let's stand tonight and uh, I'll, I'll open up the altar. You can respond just a couple minutes. Maybe you just want to tell the Lord, God, I need your help. God, I want self-control. However, the Lord leads you to respond. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, the opportunity uh, to have this reminder, this challenge, this charge. And, uh, Lord, we realize that self-control is a gift that you've given to us in the Spirit. It's a uh, part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's something that we aren't, ab aren't able to have um, in our own flesh in a way that pleases you. And so uh, we're thankful for that. Help us, God, tonight uh, to not only, as we see that we possess it, but exercise self-control in the areas that we should exercise self-control. Uh, in these areas that we saw tonight and, and the others that you tell us in your word that we should. And I pray you just bless now in our response to your word in this message in Jesus' name.